Welcome to the Profit Fantasy Football Show. Everything NFL and fantasy football related all season long. With your hosts, Calvin Wright and JT Runke. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Profit Fantasy Football Show. Uh, my co-host JT Runke and I, we are here to talk about some players that you and, and we are panicking on. We're going to give you the panic meter on about 10 different players that are owned in every league and still started in most leagues, but they haven't given you the fancy production you've hoped for. And now that we're pretty much to the midpoint of the season, we're going to let you know how panicked we are. How are you doing? You just got back from London. I, I am. I am finally back from London. I am stateside. Um, but going over to London and covering the Titans Ravens game last week has uh, left me with a cost which has left me bedridden for the past two days because um the the jet lag sickness is no joke so um this morning feeling a lot better than i have the last couple days so excited to get back to work this week now that i'm feeling a lot better i've never done an international flight do they do they still only give you like the option between the peanuts and the cookies or on the international no do they i give mean you more? so i uh, yeah on on my flight at least they did a they did a uh, dinner and breakfast service. Oh, so they they were given they were given you everything because um, it is a it is about a seven eight hour flight. So wow, that's 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 wow, that's better than I. Yeah, expected. The, the dinners were not good, but <laughs> breakfast was all right. Um, you get like fish or lasagna or something. It was like it was like lentil pasta or oh. like chicken and rice, but I didn't have either. But um, from what I heard, it was not very good. I had the breakfast though, which was. Which was all right. So interesting, huh? Yeah. Well, that's better than a bag of peanuts. Well, <laughs> true. Yes. We've got a lot of players to get through, so we'll get started with it. We're going to start pretty wide receiver heavy. A lot of wide receivers people were expecting to, you know, be their wide receiver too. These are people that have proven themselves in the past. Yet this year, whether it's quarterback play, uh, offense production is just down. We're going to be talking first about T. Higgins. Look, he's dealing with injuries. Joe Burrow was dealing with injuries, but it doesn't matter. You drafted him to be your potential wide receiver too, and he is the wide receiver wide receiver 65 on the season. He has one good week. 1 0 28 4 3 out with an injury 4. Now he's into a bye week, so you'll see him week 8 and he has had one good game. Personally, the panic meter it's pretty high. Where are you with, with T Higgins? If we're doing like a scale of one to 10, I'm probably putting T Higgins at a, a six and a half, seven okay. for me personally. I think there's a lot that goes into um, T Higgins production so far um, this season. You have to realize that uh, before he got hurt um, in, in the, in the Tennessee game, which was week four, he was averaging, um, around around eight um targets a game like like he was being very productive in this offense that had a hurt joe burrow throwing the ball um and then and then he gets a uh, rib injury in that game does not play the next game and then was a very close game time decision this week um seeing four targets catching two of those for 20 yards i think <laughs> him coming back this week he, he wasn't really fully integrated into the offense um, and so why I'm putting him at a six and a half, because I think he does have a little bit of leeway there. Joe Burrow, very hurt at the beginning of the season. 
and then um, him, himself getting hurt in week four. So I think he's got an interesting schedule coming up. He plays San Fran, which looks to be a high-scoring game. They play, of course, Buffalo. But if he continues to turn in games here in the next couple of weeks where he has only four or five targets, um, then then it, it is truly time to panic. Yeah, I think why I'm not too panicked right now, we haven't seen him healthy with Joe Burrow healthy yet this season. Once we get that, that's where I think we can really make up our mind about what he is. Um, if you want to risk it, this I, after this bye week potentially would be a good time to trade. San Francisco has a, a nice defense, so he might not have the best game week eight as well. But managers of T. Higgins are frustrated, especially because he played. It would have been so much better if they just said T. Higgins isn't going to play week six against Seattle. He's not healthy. Instead, they put them out there. People start T. Higgins in their lineup, and he turns in four points. So the frustration is high. I would probably try to sell or, or to buy him right now because we have seen a track record of a success when Higgins and Burrow are healthy. Yes, he's the two behind Jamar Chase, but he's a good wide receiver too that is, is fantasy relevant. I think this is the low point for T. Higgins this season. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think this is the lowest. I think it only gets better as he gets out of the bye. Now with Joe Burrow healthy, this offense looks a lot better. They played a, a Seattle team last week that, despite um, the, the low scoring, like outside of Tyler Boyd, who catches that touchdown, not even really Jamar Chase had a good game. Definitely a lot of regression there from his outstanding performance against Arizona the last week. But they were playing a scrappy defense in, in Seattle. It was a it was an ugly game for the offense all around. Um, so so like you said, yeah, it could be a good time to buy T Higgins. All right, moving on, the next wide receiver, Chris Godwin. He and uh, Mike Evans are both kind of a, a little questionable right now. If, you, if you've got them in your lineup, you're not really sure what to do. Evans playing with the injury. Chris Godwin seemingly to be the wide receiver, too, in what is not a prolific passing offense, but they've got some nice matchups coming up. Chris Godwin is coming off two pretty solid games. Do you think we might be seeing the switch of him becoming the wide receiver one in this offense? Uh, Evans still had 10 targets out, targeted him last week, but that hamstring injury was obviously hampering him, and Chris Godwin led the Buccaneers in receiving yardage. Are you panicked, or do you think that this is kind of the turning point for Godwin? I, I would say for both of these guys, respectively, I'd probably put Chris Godwin at like a six and Mike Evans at like a, a six and a half or so. Like very similar players that like if you have one of them, it's it's going to be frustrating every week. Either Chris Godwin is going to, like like you said, he continues to get more and more targets as this offense kind of finds its identity. Um, he's put together two good weeks and then Mike Evans is kind of the guy that that's more boom bust. He's the deep ball threat. And like last week with the hamstring injury, if he if he is hampered by that, his the deep ball is not going to work. So you see the 10 targets, but only catching four of those. Um, that's where you could probably see Chris Godwin start to rise a little bit because he is kind of the more uh, impressive route runner. And I think that Baker Mayfield is starting to see that. So especially against like Atlanta and a couple of these teams going up, uh, going forward, I, I think I will trust Chris Godwin more than I do Mike Evans. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you on that. My concern is simply that Baker Mayfield isn't going to be good enough moving forward uh, to support two of them. And, and if one of them gets injured, then I'm pretty much all in on the other. 
But unless I would we, agree. You, what? I would agree. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. That, yeah. That, like if we need a consolidation hurt, of the targets. Yes. Yes. That's the um, problem. And that's that's kind of the the point, right? In how frustrating these two can be, because if one of them has a good week, it's a pretty solid chance that the other one yeah. is not going to produce at all that week. And if if Baker is throwing, you know, 190 yards, no touchdown, interception, neither of them are going to be great. You you I mean, just in PPR leagues, there might be value, but you need either higher higher quarterback play from Baker Mayfield or some sort of consolidation in the targets to one of them. So I, I, I am a little concerned, not because I think these players are bad or anything, but just I don't know if this offense, it seems like one of those offenses, those teams that kind of starts off hot, they go, oh, maybe Baker Mayfield is back. And then we get to this point in the season, you go, nope, there's a reason that so many teams have passed on Baker. We're starting to see it potentially. So that's where my concern comes in. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It, it comes down to if Baker has a good week, then these wide receivers probably have a good week. Yeah. Now the next one, this one's odd because he's been open downfield a lot last week. He's seeing pretty good volume. But DK Metcalf is the wide receiver 36. It just hasn't really clicked this season yet. Uh, Geno Smith, this season, it hasn't been as great for him either. I mean, he's the wide receiver 23 uh, last season. He was the or, or quarterback 23. I mean, last season, he was the quarterback five. So the production, it is not there. And really, the touchdowns are not there. Last season, 30 touchdowns. This season, five touchdowns. He's on track for, what, what would that be, 12 touchdowns on the season and about nine interceptions. This, this isn't a good season yeah, for so, Gino so they, at all. And I think it's been a tough start, especially for Geno Smith and the Seattle team. But just like Pete Carroll, this team really just practices the the idea of getting hot at the right time. So with DK Metcalf and also by extension, like a Tyler Lockett, I think that you, you have to practice a little bit more patience with these guys. Even if Geno Smith is only throwing five touchdowns, like most of the touchdowns that, that he is throwing are going DK Metcalf's way. And I think that's um, the, the big thing here that, Geno Smith is looking for DK Metcalf in, in, in the red zone, and that's a good sign. So I, I'm not too panicked on DK Metcalf. I think um, I, I probably put him at like a four because um, I think better days are ahead. Yeah, I the one the one area really I'm concerned, it isn't yardage or volume. It's that the, the touchdowns are on the ground right now for, for Seattle. Kenneth Walker has six touchdowns. He has more touchdowns than Geno Smith at this point in the season. And DK, I think that this is really the floor. So if the touchdowns go up, we're looking at you know a really solid wide receiver too. But if those touchdowns continue going to Kenneth Walker, I don't really see how it can get that much better for DK. You know, maybe 15 points a game. But that's that's where I get concerned is if if this team's identity is running on the goal line, then it's going to be a lot harder for DK to really really get back on track, especially. It, we don't have a massive consolidation of targets either. Tyler Lockett is still heavily involved in this offense. I wouldn't be shocked if JSN starts making more appearances in this offense. You know that now that we're midway through the season, not a great rookie season, but that I'm not panicked completely on DK. But if the touchdowns don't come through the air, we're not going to see a ceiling for DK that's very high. I don't think. I would agree. I think right now um, he is a back end wide receiver too, and that's just kind of yeah. 
until Geno Smith and them um, kind of get things going and they get hot at the right time, that's that's where he's going to stay. But Arizona coming up next. So if there's a chance, if, it, if it's going to happen, Arizona week seven, this is a, a prime opportunity for DK to get back on track. Then you got Cleveland and Baltimore a, l- a little tougher. So I think week seven is pretty pivotal for DK and this offense to find that sort of identity. Um, Aaron Jones, run, or run, running back now, he has been injured pretty much the whole season. When we saw him, he scored 26 points. But he, he's been inactive a little longer than I think people expected. Then they had the week six bye. That might be why, why he was held out. Um, it's a hamstring injury, which isn't good for a 28-year-old running back. <laughs> these these hamstring injuries, they linger. They get re-aggravated. We already see, saw he came in week four, played, uh, you know, what, five five carries, and then came out and then sat for another week heading into the bye. But now he gets the Denver Broncos, which are they're giving up. I mean, what is it? Uh, 32 fantasy points a game to the running back position. What do you do with Aaron Jones? Um, I, I think I think you really just considering where the running back landscape is right now, you may have no choice but to kind of roll with Aaron Jones, despite the hamstring injury, right? Like when he is playing, he's a he is a very big important piece of that offense. Um, and with this hamstring, like assuming they're going to kind of get him back up to speed, especially towards like the fantasy playoffs and whatnot, like you may just not have a choice with him. I think that he still has some value, um, but I, I understand why it, it is frustrating. So I think I'm going to put him at like a, a five or a six because. At this point, with like how the running back landscape is, like we we are we are scouring the waiver wire right now for Zach Evans, the fourth running back to to play this season for the the Los Angeles Rams. So, like at this point, a, a guy like Aaron Jones, even if he is a little hampered, is probably a better play than the waiver wire. I might be trying to to send out some offers and sell high after Denver. Um. If he plays a full game against Denver, he will have a really good game. That just yes. that's just how it goes when running backs play Denver. But I still will be concerned about this injury lingering, popping back up. Not the easiest rest of the season schedule. Not saying you have to trade away Aaron Jones, but if he goes out and puts you know thirty points up against Denver, go see what someone is willing to pay because people are desperate for running backs right now. You know, if you're five hundred or you know have a few more losses than wins right now, and you just lost Kyron Williams or James Conner or Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you see Aaron Jones put up 30 points. You might be willing to overpay. So so see what your league values Aaron Jones after this Denver game. Don't trade him before the Denver game, though. You held on this long. At least enjoy the Denver game. Yes. Uh, speaking of Denver... We got a lot of players on their team that we we are panicked about. We could probably put the whole Denver uh, offense on this list, but Javante Williams and Jerry Judy are kind of the two that people invested the most draft capital in, and both of them are pretty bad so far this season. I mean, Jerry Judy's the wide receiver 61, Javante's the running back 39. It hasn't been good for either of these players. Neither of them have had a good week, I would consider. How concerned are you about these two players? 
I, I'm very concerned with basically anyone on this Denver team. Uh, even maybe Cortland Sutton, who has proven to be a um, a pretty decent little back-end wide receiver too this season. However, just with their schedule coming up, of course, they play Green Bay this week. Um, they play Kansas City. You have uh, Buffalo and Minnesota and Cleveland on the schedule. Like This is just a, a, a team that is struggling and really just has no identity whatsoever with a lot, a lot of just players on this team that are going to take targets from each other. So I'd put, I'd put both Javante and Jerry Judy at like eight or nine this season. It's very disappointing despite Russell Wilson kind of bouncing back this season. Um, Now Jerry Judy may get traded at the trade deadline. So um, maybe is a good playoff play once we get to that portion of the season. But for right now, um, these are two guys that I'm not trusting to play in my lineups. Yeah, that's that's a big uh, saving grace for Jerry Judy. I think that's the only saving grace is that maybe he'll get traded. Um, two tough matchups, then a bye week. Hopefully, he gets traded at some point. What will be brutal is if he gets the double bye because of the trade that has happened before in fantasy. You hold on to a player hoping they get traded at the deadline. They do, and then you have to hold them through two different bye weeks. But Javante Williams, I don't see a path forward to him being startable this season. Um, Jerry Judy's path is a trade. So just a rough year for a team that might be tanking. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, now, Ramondre Stevenson, he he showed us a flash last week. I mean, the path to this, this offense being better is throwing the ball to Ramondre Stevenson. I don't know why it took them. I mean, week one, they did it, and then they stopped. Week six, they realized, wait, he's a, he's a good pass catcher, and they did it. He scored 18 points, but... Guess who also showed us some flashes? Ezekiel Elliott, um, who I, I did not realize he still had that sort of speed. A uh, 70-yard touchdown called back, but it's not going to be Ramondre Stevens' backfield. The path to success is them playing from behind and throwing the ball to Stevenson, which Buffalo-Miami on the schedule, that will very likely happen. So personally, I'm not worried about Ramondre. I think that before last week, it was a prime time to buy low. Now see if someone wants to capitalize and, and trade him away because he's been so horrible. Are you on that side of thought with that things are getting better for Stevenson, time to trade? Or do you think that this was just a one-week glimpse of what he could be, but this offense overall too bad to invest in? Yeah, I think better days are certainly ahead for, um, for Ramondre Stevenson. The situation like with Mac Jones is certainly not a good one. Um, But I think regardless of what quarterback they put back there, Ramondre Stevenson is probably going to be the safest uh, receiving option going forward just because his ability to kind of be that dump off option. Um, So so like you said, I think Zeke becomes more and more uh, of a, of a factor in the rushing game. But for, for right now, the the best receiving target on the Patriots, which is not a very good offense, but the best the best target is indeed uh, Ramondre Stevenson. So I, I'm with you. I think I'm I, I have him at like a four or five now that we we've seen a good week out of him. So yeah, I think better days are ahead. It is worth noting he gets Denver Week 16. It will be amazing when everyone who was so sick of Ramondre benched him all season. He will probably score 35 on Denver knock someone really good out of the 
out of the playoffs. (laughs) Um, Next up, we've got Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Zach Moss looks pretty good, which is really the biggest disappointment. Now Anthony Richardson goes out. This offense is going to be struggling. He hasn't really gotten fully uh, put back into this offense. 15 snap percent, 42 percent snap share. Now he gets Cleveland and New Orleans. Two really tough running back matchups. I mean, New Orleans is the number three uh, toughest matchup for the running back position in fantasy football. Cleveland is pretty high up there too at the eighth toughest. So Personally, I'm a little panicked because I could see two really bad weeks from Jonathan Taylor again, in which case, what what do you do? Because this offense is going to be playing from behind. I could see just a ton of three and outs against Cleveland, New Orleans, those defenses with Gardner Minshew. I'm I'm pretty panicked. I, I put it at a seven. I, I think I'm even higher than you. I, I'm at an eight and a half, nine with Jonathan Taylor, mostly because they did sign him to that contract. But like we said, like there's no reason to put more tread on the tires right now when when Anthony Richardson is basically done for the season and they're looking towards next season. Zach Moss is going to be a a mainstay in this offense for the rest of the season, which means seven or eight touches a game that Jonathan Taylor would normally see are not going to go to him. And Zach Moss has looked like a very serviceable running back, even in this split backfield. I'm concerned with Jonathan Taylor. I don't think that he can be a running back one this season. I think he is a mid to low end RB two this for the rest of the season, which is disappointing because um, even if you may have drafted him in the third or fourth round, he he just isn't um, going to get that production that you thought he would get. Yeah, a low snap share. You know, it's a split backfield on a horrible offense with some really tough matchups. I mean, Carolina, a week nine, I'll start him. But after that, I mean, Cleveland, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, even New England, are they going to let Gardner Minshew throw? I don't I don't think so. I don't see a path to success this year. And at what point, you're right, do the Colts just say, we're throwing in the towel? I mean, why put him out there, put wear and tear on him when we made him one of the highest paid running backs in the league? So... Not good. I yeah, I yes, might be I, more I of an eight point five nine. Yes, I do like Josh Downs though. He's he's the Josh Downs has looked to, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, the past couple of weeks, so the that is that is something good. Time. Yes, um, I think we've only got one more player on the list, and that is Calvin Ridley. What a bizarre season for him. I mean, week one, the victory laps. You know, he's the he's gonna be the wide receiver one in a high powered offense. Eleven targets. Then he crashed down to earth really in the second half of that game. Um, and then week two, five points. Week three, seven points. Week four, 11 points. Bounces back, 20. And you go, okay, they finally figured out they got to be have him involved in this offense. And then he, he goes out and puts up six points. But the volume was there. It's It's been a little confusing so far now. They get New Orleans and Pittsburgh a bye week, San Francisco. Not a great stretch of matchups if you're hoping for a bounce back for Calvin Ridley. Uh, my panic meter is pretty high because Christian Kirk is really good. That wasn't a one year, you know, fluke. No, Christian Kirk looks to be the wide receiver one. Evan Ingram looks really good. Zay Jones looks really good. And Travis Etienne is a beast. Is there a path for Calvin Ridley to be this bona fide wide receiver one stud? Or is it just going to continue being 
every now and then a big blow up game. I, I, I do think that it is going to be boom bust for Calvin Ridley rest of season. I think if he doesn't get those deep shots and they work, I, I just don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant, which is a little is a, is, a, is a little bit of a shame because, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Christian Kirk has looked has continued to look really, really good. Um, so with, with that in mind, um, I, I think just kind of like the Buccaneers offense, like Calvin Ridley plays more of the Mike Evans role to um, Christian Kirk's Chris Godwin role. Like Christian Kirk is, is going to be the more efficient route runner the, the rest of the season. He's also a guy that Trevor Lawrence has a lot more of a rapport with. So yeah, I, I think Christian Kirk, both of them, I think are wide receiver twos going forward. Christian Kirk, probably a, a mid to uh, above average wide receiver two, but, Calvin Ridley is more of a boom bust low end wide receiver too for me. Yeah, I mean if you have to choose one to have rest of the season, you're you're choosing Christian Kirk over him, right? Yes, I would. Yeah. He but, it, and it's not it's not because uh I think he's a better player. I just think he's more consistent. Like yeah. if I, I would take Christian Kirk rest of season if he can get me the 13 to 15 points a game that he is getting versus Calvin Ridley getting 23 or getting 6 points a game. What what we are really learning, I think, this year for fantasy football is probably the most important thing for wide receivers is not quarterback play even. It's probably the the contention of the targets, you know. Evan Ingram is seeing about eight targets a game. Christian Kirk is seeing about eight targets a game. ETN is seeing three and a half. Zay Jones, when he's played, if you don't have consolidation of targets, which Ridley had when he broke out in Atlanta, uh, it was Julio Jones, old, injured, Calvin Ridley suddenly emerges. He was the only real wide receiver. If you don't have that sort of consolidation, the path, yes, you can be a good fantasy wide receiver, you can be a wide receiver too, but the path to being a wide receiver one, it gets a lot harder. It needs to be through touchdowns and big plays, and that's something that this offense does not have. There is no consolidation of targets, and, and there shouldn't really be. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Travis Etienne, they're all good players. There's no one that you go, well, we got to take the touches away from him. It's just for fantasy football, it doesn't really work as, as, as well as we had hoped. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Which is, I mean, that's why I love Jordan Addison rest of the season. I don't know about you, but decent quarterback play with a pretty good consolidation targets. It's going to be him and uh, Hawkinson for the most part, KJ Osborne a little bit, but I think that the consolidation of the targets is probably the most important thing when you're looking for a wide receiver to trade for. Uh, if you want consistency plus upside, uh, that's that's what you need to look for. Were there any other players you wanted to touch on that you, you're panicked on? I mean, we could probably go through my entire roster in, in our, our league and talk about them. Um, I, I think w- one more we can talk about is... Uh, the guy that you traded out of the uh, 101 to go up and get in our in our uh, listeners league, which considering Justin Jefferson is is maybe not playing the rest of the season, maybe not the worst thing. But I know, uh, yeah. what, how how concerned are you with Bijan Robinson? Uh here's here's what's so frustrating, Desmond Ritter. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, but, but he's throwing the ball now. 47 pass attempts for Desmond Ritter last week, 37 the week before. 
first off, I don't see that as the path to success for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and for the most part, it hasn't really worked. He threw some incredibly horrible game-losing interceptions last week. Uh, they they got the ball. They had like eight. It, might, it probably wasn't eight, but they had several. Um, they were down eight in the fourth quarter, and they had, I think, three possessions where they could have driven down and tied it up. And each possession, Desmond Ritter did something stupid to end the drive. That is so... It kills the value for the running back when you have short possessions. And that's what Desmond Ritter does. If they get, you know, first and 10 incompletion, second and 10, he gets, you know, five yards. Okay, good run. But now we're at a third and five. It's a passing situation again. And Ritter, more often than not, doesn't, doesn't work well in that situation. And suddenly there's a three and out. That, that's the problem. These drives for the Falcons a lot of times are, are very short. Then they're playing from behind and it has to be a pass heavy offense, which is not good for Bijan. I mean, the volume as a pass catcher has been great, but you got to see more volume as a runner. You got to have touchdowns on the ground if you're going to be a, a running back one. So yeah, he's a, he's a good RB two with upside, but to be the running back one, they need to have Ritter not throw 47 times a game. And they need to use him in the red zone. Uh, Tampa Bay and Tennessee and Minnesota coming up. I actually like those. Yes, they're tougher defenses for the running back. But game script wise, I don't see a, a, a reason that Ritter would have to throw the ball 47 times against Tampa Bay or against Tennessee or against Minnesota. Much lower powered offenses. So my panic meter is about a four and a half right now. But when we look at, you know, Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, Washington, all offenses that can make you have to throw the ball. Um, even if they're inconsistent offenses, they can really get the game script uh, twisted for Arthur Smith. But I think that he does still want the identity of this offense to be the running game. I think he just hasn't been able to have that be the case in the past few weeks. But against Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Minnesota, I think that it will go back to being a run-heavy team, uh, which helps a lot. Yeah, I, I think so too, especially um, considering that um, like there, like Bijan has to score a rushing touchdown eventually, right? Like <laughs> right? he's not scored a rushing. He's has two touchdowns on the year, and they've, they've both been receiving touchdowns, and they've both been on plays where um, it's been a dump off, and Bijan has done Bijan things. So, I, like, I, I think I think he can return to RB one status. It's just unfortunate luck right now that he cannot get into the end zone. And that's the thing. You look at all these games. If you add a touchdown. You're happy with the, the stat line. A 10-point game of just volume, if you add, you know, six points on top of that, 16, you're you're very happy with that. It just the fact that he has been the RB eight overall on the season without a rushing touchdown, I actually find encouraging long term wise. Uh we haven't seen the ceiling yet, is, is what's great. But we, you just gotta you gotta make it so that Ritter can't throw the ball 47 times. That yep. is never going to work for the NFL or for fantasy football, unless you're Drake London. Um, do I actually? I actually do like Drake London. I think he needs some credit. He has looked really great over the past few weeks. I, I agree. But yeah. So panic meter about a four or five for Bijan. I think this is probably the best time to trade for him, especially they don't have the bye week till week eleven. So, 
And then after that, well, Arizona, New Orleans, Jets, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Indianapolis, Chicago. Not incredible matchups, but you have to look at what will the game script be. And I think those game scripts will be a lot better than how the season has started. And when we saw Carolina and Green Bay, the first two games of the season, much lower powered, slower paced offenses, that's when Bijan scored 20 points a game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it'll it'll even out um, for this Atlanta offense. I think it, it's just in Arthur Smith is so frustrating. No matter what player that you have on this Atlanta at, at, on this Atlanta team, um, but if there's one to be the least frustrated with, it's probably Bijan. Yeah, I I agree. He hasn't torpedoed your team. He just hasn't provided that spark that you probably need if you drafted him at the 101 like I did. <laughs> That is fair. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back later this weekend, probably Friday or Saturday, with some starts and sits of the week. Always a good show. Always important to listen through. Um, Especially last week, we we, we, we had some pretty good takes. I said start uh, Ramondre Stevenson by low, and that worked out, even if it's short term. So you won't want to miss that one. Any closing remarks, JT? Um, it is, it is Will Levis season here in, in 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 Tennessee land. So that's exciting. Um, another, another thing that just with, with, um, me being in London that I found so interesting, like, I like how, you know, the memes where it's like, you're at a party and all the white people are, are singing Mr. Brightside or like Sweet (laughs) Caroline or something. I, I was at Tottenham Hotspur stadium. And like two of the three like things that they did during this during the um, game was like they played uh, songs, and I I swear I have never heard a crowd be more loud and more in sync and in unison than this crowd at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium singing "Mr. Brightside" and "Sweet Caroline" all together, and and I was I was just like, Europeans are no better than than. <laughs> Frat boy Americans. It's just it, it's 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 incredible. Something in our DNA. I don't yes. know what it is. <laughs> makes us want to and wants a, makes us just want to sing Mr. Brightside yeah. and Sweet Caroline. They're good songs. They're good songs. Um, yeah, I think Neil Diamond. I mean, we could get into the whole topic. Underrated, <laughs> underrated at this point. He's he's known for just that one song. You listen through his discography. He's got a lot of bangers on there besides Sweet Caroline. Maybe maybe he regrets ever making that song because of his other music. This will be the off-season show. We're just going to go through and rank uh, Neil Diamond, maybe get some Carpenters in there. Kind of underrated there you go. music. There yeah. you go. Underrated white people music. <laughs> the, fa- the fantasy football draft of, of underrated white people party music. Oh, who, who are you taking 101? Uh, sweet uh come on Eileen has to be up there. Oh, that's that's a, that's got to be up there. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think I think a, a a little bit of a I'm I'm thinking about like sleepers for for sleeper picks. Yeah, sleeper picks for for white people music. Um, there there there's some good sleeper. You know, I'm gonna America have to I'm gonna have to, have to yeah. be a sleeper. Simon yeah. and Garfunkel. I don't know if they're Ooh, yes. <laughs> late round. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That 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 could be a that could be a league winner right there. <laughs> I'm taking Andy Williams in the 11th. He's going to break out (laughs) mid-season. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, Hope you aren't having all these players on your roster like we are that we're panicking about. Hopefully, 
you drafted Adam Thielen and were smart, unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you next time. You don't know how mad I am that Adam Thielen 